Hey everybody and welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Here are your hosts, Josiah and Micah Keneally. What's up guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. And I'm Josiah Keneally. We're your hosts of this Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching the next generation in our world today. Yes. And like always, if you are just tuning in for the very first time, you can check out this podcast, which we have out every single Monday, a brand new episode for you to tune into. So if you listen at the gym, in the car, um, maybe even in your library, if you have one of those or just cuddle up on the couch um, on a cold fall day, maybe winter. And if you're on the beach, God bless you. So if you want to learn more about us, you can subscribe, rate, review, let us know what God's doing in your life. And we would just love to hear some some fun testimonies along the way. It's a joy to journey together, Micah, with you and also mm-hmm. with the listener. And mm-hmm. um, like she mentioned, we drop new episodes every Monday. We want you to start your week off strong. We want to help with that. Mm-hmm. And these conversations are fun. And let's jump into this one. We're going to talk all things scripture with our friend, Philip Nation. How are you? I'm doing great. I am excited to join you guys for this conversation today. Well, we are thrilled to have you, and I'm sure the listener um, is going to be tuning in even more if they don't know who you are or where you've come from or what God has you on in regards to a mission. Josiah, do you just want to read and just tell us a little bit about him before we ask him about him? How's that? For sure. Uh, Philip Nation is a vice president and publisher of Thomas Nelson Bibles with Harper Collins. He's also a pastor, author, and professor. I think what's fun is our paths have crossed, I believe, for I bet about a decade on Twitter. Yeah, I know that. This summer, there was an event in Kansas City where we were both there and we went from Twitter friends to real life friends, which was the best <laughs> thing ever. That's right. We finally crossed uh, the Rubicon from, from pixels to presence. It was nice. <laughs> Love it. And, um, I think that what's cool is every Saturday night, Philip, we've talked about this before, and I join you every weekend in praying for pastors, mm-hmm. praying for churches, and just praying for the preaching and reading publicly of God's word. Yeah, it's it's something that I started doing really during the pandemic. Uh, I started this position with Harper Collins of being the Bible publisher about four months before you know, the zombie apocalypse happened in 2019 with the COVID-19 pandemic. And I just saw that pastors were so tired and strung out and worn out. And so on Saturday nights, I on Twitter and a lot of times on Facebook, I'll do a pastor roll call. And I just ask pastors, what do you, what's your text and your topic? And then a lot of times I'll say, how can I pray for you? How can we pray for you? Or I'll uh, like this as of this recording, this past Saturday night, I said, who's another pastor that we can pray for? Just trying to try, you know, help build community across state lines, across denominational, you know, kind of markers and just have us all together knowing, like you said, Josiah, that on Sunday morning, people are going to stand up all across the country and the globe and they're going to proclaim the word of God. And so how can we hold each other's arms up during that time? Amen. Yeah. And you guys have beautiful Bibles. I came home from that event with two of them. One's become my daily reader mm-hmm. and I've been using the other one as well. So thanks for those gifts. And oh yeah. I would just say for the listener, if you're looking for a new Bible, um, the Thomas Nelson, they, I've got a couple of them now and just of course in love with God's word, but 
something special about what you guys are putting mm-hmm. your hands to. And I thought it'd be fun, Philip, if you're willing to just kind of share some of your story to let us get to know you better and um, the listener, your journey of life and leadership. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that could be a really long tale because I'm I'm older than you think, Josiah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, to to tell it, I'll tell a little bit of my childhood and how I came into ministry and what I'm doing now, what ministry journey I've been on. But you know, God bless me of, of being born into a, a family where my my mother and father are both believers. Now, my mom passed away about 18 years ago, uh, but she was such a strong believer and. And I actually have an old Nelson Bible that we still publish to this day, children's Bible, that was my Bible as a kid, wow. that that in the flyleaf, my dad wrote down the date that I became a Christian in 1977. And so I, and I've had that Bible my whole life. And so then when I came into this particular job, it was like, oh, we still make that Bible. And, and so I became a believer at a young age was raised, going to church, was very blessed to have a vibrant student ministry that was that was focused on helping us mature as believers. And God was so gracious to put young men, young adult men in my life that mentored me and discipled me. And when I was 15, uh, I felt called to ministry, and it scared me witless. Uh, and, and people wouldn't believe it today because I, I, you know, the Lord has just kind of He just lifted that burden of kind of a fear of crowds off of my shoulders and out of my heart. But I was terrified to do an oral book report in in class in high school, and and then when I was sixteen, I preached my first sermon in my home church in Birmingham, Alabama, and three sentences in every fear went away. And it, and now when I preach, you still feel the weight yeah. of the importance of the moment, but that, that like human fear of the crowd and am I going to say the right thing? And am I going to stutter or stammer over my words? The Holy spirit just lifted it out of my life and it has never returned and, but replaced it with here's this great, responsibility that you get to steward now of reliance upon the Holy Spirit. So I went to college, went to seminary, got married to my wife, Angie, in 1994. Uh, We have two sons that they're both in their 20s. One is married, one is engaged. And so we're, you know, we're living that empty nest life. But the ministry that I have had has been, it's been a strange journey. I don't encourage anybody to try to follow my path. Uh, I have served as a pastor of a rural church and and a suburban church. I've been the minister of education, running all the discipleship ministries of a mega church. Uh, I planted a church and so left a mega church to plant a church. And so I went on that. Uh, We, as a family, we went on that journey, but our boys will look back at that and say, that was kind of the sweetest times of ministry Mm -hmm. because it was just like such close quarters that we lived with the other families in that church plant. And then to kind of speed to where I am now, uh, I, the, the Lord opened the door to allow me to edit and do some writing. And so Lifeway Christian Resources offered me a position as an editor. And I worked there for a number of years. Eventually, I was the director of all of their Bible study materials for adults. 
and went back into a season of pastoring for a while. And then uh, almost three years ago, Thomas Nelson, they were looking for someone to lead the Bible publishing entity inside of the company. And so for the last three years, I've been, I wake up every day and I think about how do we make beautiful Bibles and lots of translations for every age and stage of life. And that's what I get to do now. And I still travel and, and preach a fair amount uh, throughout the year. So it, it's a really great life that God has blessed me with. I love that, Philip. Thank you so much for going there. And for the listener, um, whether you're planting something, taking over something, wanting something to grow and just be in tune with God, Philip, I think your story resonates with a lot of the listeners, whether they are just starting out in their first year out of college and they're taking over a Bible study or they're 30 years old and they're saying, Hey, um, I think God's called me to ministry. I'm, I'm going back to school or they're 25 and they're like, Hey, we're really struggling. How do we grow this ministry and disciple people well and get them plugged back into not only the local church, um, but in a community and the word of God in that process. So even just understanding, like, even though you may have had a crazy journey that you say, or like, I don't recommend you do what I did, but I think a lot of people can relate to aspects of your story from anything like we talked off script even already of like from the fundraising to the church planning to the mega suburban rural like all those people are tuning in and listening so you have a very uh, uh, incredible scope of what that is means and takes but when it all comes down to it it comes back down to relationship with christ and the word of god Mm -hmm. and i just think that's incredible and that's definitely a need uh, with the young adults that we're working with the 18 to 30 year old who's stepping foot onto a college campus for their first time, who's living and stepping out of mom and dad's basement for the first time in 18 years, or they're 25 and they, they find themselves at a crossroads. Do I go back to school? Am I called to ministry? Do I go to the marketplace? Where can I be the most effective? And many times we've seen them turn to a person or a pastor, which that's fine to process with, uh, but also we want them to, we want to turn them to the heart of Christ and scripture in that process of adulting, right? Those oh, yeah. life stages and ages. And you have two um, young adult children, those young men. And I would just be curious to know, like, what have you been seeing and how would you answer this question of simply, um, the studies are showing the disconnects between the younger generations and scripture. We're seeing mm-hmm. those stats drop 4% are biblically literate, meaning that 90 Um, 6% are not biblically literate, right? So how would you describe the biblical worldview as well as the biblical literacy component in that? Yeah. And I'll tell you that one more stat that I saw just drop, um, really, I think it was just last week out of the Gallup poll is we're now at an all-time low of just basic belief in God. Uh, The number of atheists uh, have grown by 8%. In the United States, and primarily that's the younger generation. It's not mm-hmm. older generations that are abandoning a belief in God. It's the younger generations, teenagers and young adults, as they're moving from one stage of life to another. And so this whole issue of, of where does the Bible play a role here, you know, it does intersect with my personal story as long as with as well as my profession now, because in my personal story. It was an eighth grade Sunday school teacher named Jack, and then it was an 11th grade Bible study leader named Matthew, that those two guys were both in their mid-20s that played such a substantial role in me falling in love with the Bible 
as an eighth grader and seeing here's somebody who is an adult that's not my mom and dad and it's not a pastor at the church Mm -hmm. but like this is just a guy who has a job who is just investing in us and he was fun and he was cool but it was like always a guy who was steeped in the word in every issue of life he wanted to bring us back to how do you ask god what does your bible say about this and then when i was in 11th grade it was this Bible study leader, Matthew, who then at that stage of life could really teach us, this is how you actually study the Bible. Here are the actual tools and questions that you ask. And I think absent of people like that, that are listening right now, that you can be that person in somebody's life, whether it's somebody young or whether it's a family member or whether it's one of your classmates or your coworkers. Absent of that kind of community of a person who is saying, this is the grid by which I look at life. The, the Bible is my lens that, that then focuses everything. And what we have right now is a, is a whole generation that, is, that has been handed a lens from the world, and they have been perfectly discipled by the world, that mm-hmm. there is nothing wrong with their life that they can change their identity at any given moment. They, they are in no need of repentance or transformation because they're perfect just the way they are. But the Bible helps us to see through this lens of eternity that there's only one who's perfect and he desires to clothe us in that righteousness. And so it's not that we've got to go out and browbeat the world into submission that you are a horrible, dirty sinner and like convince them of a worm theology, that you're just a nasty worm crawling around in the dirt. Nobody loves you, but that there is one who is perfect that wants to clothe you in this righteousness. And and the world has built a caricature Mm -hmm. of who Christians are. And it's only through the scripture that we can cut through that fog of, of spiritual warfare and hold up, here's the character of Christ that we can all be conformed to if we'll put our faith in him, but it does take this literacy. So I'll, I'll end my little uh, soapbox t- <laughs> tirade here with this. During the pandemic, from a business standpoint of being the publisher at Thomas Nelson, I've got access to all of this industry, all these industry stats. Sales of the Bible have increased in 2019, 2021, 2022, they kept going up. But everybody who's been doing spiritual surveys and surveys of the spiritual landscape will say that Bible engagement has been dropping like a stone. And so people are buying more Bibles, but I don't know that people are necessarily reading those Bibles. And so I want to encourage your listeners, like find a spot in the scripture that you feel comfortable with and just start reading it. Just start dealing with it. I want to encourage the church leaders that are listening in. Teach, don't just wag your finger from the platform and say, read your Bible more. You've got to actually teach them how to do it. Like what questions to ask about a passage. And that's where then we can begin building biblical worldviews with people. Love it. It's incredible. I think it's my friend Dominic Doan who said in his latest book that the Bible is the best-selling book that nobody reads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I think that, you know what, like, it's great to have access to God's word. We praise him for that. And I think similarly, like, version, the Bible app, 
Mm-hmm. They just crossed, I think, half a billion right. downloads during mm-hmm. the pandemic as well, um, all time. But that, that it, like, I think the pandemic definitely accelerated their growth trajectory and just people wanting to have access mm-hmm. to the word. And um, I picture it kind of like, you know, I'm on my device a fair amount. And say I put it in airplane mode. Isn't it interesting that here's this, I don't know, I bet it's a $1,200 phone. But isn't it interesting that they still put in a flashlight? (laughs) And I just tested it while you were talking. I was also listening and multitasking, but I put it in airplane mode and there's a compass on this iPhone that does work without, you know, airplane mode being on. And I just think that we live in a world that's very dark right now. Mm-hmm. Everyone probably listening would agree that it just, sometimes it feels like Gotham maybe, or it just mm-hmm. feels like something out of a, a movie or, or end times. And at the same time, like it's a dark world, but we've been given this word. That's a light to our path, mm-hmm. a lamp to our feet. And I think that if you're young and you're trying to figure out what's my life about and my purpose and my passion, where are my people, where's mm-hmm. my tribe and, and what's this life really all about? I really believe that the compass that will help you navigate not only truth, but your filter that Philip was talking about and the lens in which mm-hmm. you can see relationships and dating and finances and career and just calling and purpose, all of these things are going to be really discovered, I think, in scripture mm-hmm. and in community to your point of, of reading and discovering. And so I'm curious for maybe the person who's a college student listening or wanting to grow as a young adult in their knowledge of God's word, do you have a recommended or favorite or maybe preferred Bible translation or one that you'd recommend? Yeah. I, so uh, I'm going to cheat and say that I've got two. Because <laughs> I'm a Bible it's not follower. like 600. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No. And, and because that has been one of the fun things about leading the Thomas Nelson enterprise is that we publish a lot of different translations. And, and I would say that the two that I lean toward the quickest are the New King James Version and then the New English Translation uh, my, I think that's the, the one that Josiah has there with him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the New King James Version is, and there's kind of academic reasons a little bit behind the scenes on both of them. But a lot of times in our culture, we want a Bible translation that sounds like the Bible. And the New King James, it retains that poetic kind of feel and, and, and a bit of that majestic language where it feels like the Bible without it being archaic. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a relatively new translation that New King James uh, was published back in 82. So it's not been around for a, you know, just a tremendously long amount of time. But then the new English translation, or we often say the net, uh, has not been in publication for a long time, but it, it brings together the best of modern scholarship and it reads like just a great modern translation of everyday language. And so those are the ones I'm usually studying and or preaching from. That's so good. Cause we have so many young adults that are asking, Hey, I'm buying my first Bible. I'm going to the bookstore. Yeah. Which one do I get? Which one do I choose? 
what is lead redder lead red what a, what a red, red letter red letter red letter, red letter. Red letter. Yeah. that's yeah. what i'm trying to say it's a tongue twister <laughs> for me today i guess red letters like so they're asking very very basic questions right so yeah. even to take it to like the next level many of the college students or even young adults are asking the question you're asking me to read this bible right but can i really trust it mm-hmm. can i truly trust the bible um, what would you say to them some people who are really questioning the authenticity of the word of God. Yeah. I, the first thing that I do when people ask me that is I try to validate for them. This is an excellent question. And please don't feel like somehow you have stepped out of line and that nobody else is asking this because people have been asking this question for every century, as long as the Bible has been in existence. So this is a good question that you should ask. And I hope that more and more churches will equip us on how to answer this question. So I always start with, okay, um, with the whole idea of it being one story. It's a unified book, and you've got a unified book that's actually 66 books written by 40 different authors across three different continents over the course of 2,000 years, and yet you have one unified story. This is humanly and logically an impossible. It's such an impossibility. It's such a statistically improbable thing. It falls to the level of impossible. And yet here we have this book. So it's not just one single author in a sacred text of somebody who hid themselves away in a cave or in a field that scribbled it all down, but you've got this one unified story that, that reveals it to us. And then there are external and internal proofs about it, the internal proofs that in the Old Testament, you've got over 300 prophecies that then come fulfilled in the one life of Jesus. Again, statistically so improbable that it becomes impossible. Like just the two simple ideas that Jesus, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, which was a backwater town that nobody cared about, but that was prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus's birth. And then also the measure the means by which Christ died, crucifixion was not invented when it was prophesied 400 years earlier. I mean, nobody died by being pierced in their, in their hands and their feet when Micah the prophet talked about it. And yet here, this is the way Jesus dies. And so you've got internal proofs, and then you have the external proofs of the archaeology, of the historicity. Every time you know, historians say, well, there's nobody named King Herod. And then they find coins with King Herod's name. Mm-hmm. Well, the pool of Siloam where Jesus did that miracle, well, that place doesn't exist. And then it was actually in the, around the, uh, the turn of the 20th century that some sewage workers were repairing a pipe in Jerusalem when they found the pool of Siloam. And so there's these external proofs. And so these are great questions to be able to talk with people who are trying to understand, is there, is, is this reliable? Absolutely. Look at, look at it internally and look at it externally. Yeah. It makes me think of even just Josiah recently went to Israel and just the city that they had uncovered within the last three to five, three to five years, because last time he was there, it was not yet even discovered. So they're still discovering archeological digs on so many different levels, like not even just the coins, but cities underground or Mm -hmm. just the pottery or whatever, all that crazy stuff is. So 
that just yeah the home of simon peter's mom and yeah and just recently they uncovered what we think is likely the oldest manuscript from the gospel of mark that you know that dates so close to the life of jesus so we just keep finding more and more reasons not less more reasons to believe the bible to be true because the holy spirit goosebumps seriously <laughs> and i love it and, and what's amazing is you know i was in israel in 2014 and about eight years go by and i get an opportunity during holy week to go back mm-hmm. in 2022 and the entire city of uh, Magdala is mm-hmm. now, it's been excavated, but it wasn't even, I don't think plans had even started in mm-hmm. 2014, or maybe they had, but they hadn't. Wow. Certainly, you know, it was just in the last five years or so that mm-hmm. that has been, you know, uncovered. And so I do look at internally and externally, just the fact that, I mean, like, you look at the cities you look at the the bodies of water, right? The Sea of Galilee, the mm-hmm. Jordan River. You look mm-hmm. at just all of these time periods and things that are accurate and fulfilled. And I get passionate about it because for me, also, side note, like going to Israel, it was mm-hmm. like reading the Bible with like 3D and yeah. add, maybe 4D, like adding in the sights and the smells and the colors and the depths. And so if you're tuning in and you've not been to mm-hmm. Israel and you want to go, I pray you get the opportunity to, because it's just um, awesome to, to walk where Jesus walked. It's like it, it brings the scripture to a new life and a new level, but I'd be curious to Philip to talk about, and I can share here, but about my journey with like memorizing some scripture, but is that a discipline of yours? Um, any thoughts on memorizing scripture? Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, the Bible itself does tell us to hide God's word in our heart uh, so that we won't sin against him. That's in Psalm 119. And, and we, we see the witness of Jesus himself that when he faced temptation, the, the one occurrence that we have. So young adults need to be aware that when Jesus, the, the one recording of Jesus facing temptation, he just quoted Old Testament scriptures. He didn't expound upon it. He didn't try, you know, to bring anything else to light. He just quoted the scriptures. And if this is what Jesus is going to do, the the divine son of God, this is what we need to do. And so I encourage young adults uh, to, to look at scripture memorization in a couple of different ways. One is don't overload yourself. It, It is okay to walk slowly and carefully as you're memorizing scriptures because you want it to lodge in your heart for a lifetime. And, and then also like be very specific, like what are you facing right now in life or in temptations or in decision-making and go to passages that address that and seek to memorize those verses don't just get a random group of verses that, that somebody else made and say, oh, well, that's what so-and-so did. So this is what I'm going to do. Like, be very specific. And like, if you're struggling right now with your identity in Christ, go to 2 Corinthians chapters 3 through 7 and pick out some verses there that talk about your identity in Christ and memorize mm-hmm. those. If you're struggling right now, with having anxiety over whether or not God really does truly love you, then memorize Zephaniah 317 or Hosea 14.4. 
Like go find those specific verses that address what you're dealing with and allow the spirit to just work on your life in them. And he will help you retain those things in your life, in your mind. It's amazing. I, uh, I remember being like second grade in our church that I grew up in was an assemblies of God church. And they did something called junior Bible quiz. Yeah. What you do is you get this orange folder and there's 20 point questions, 30 point questions. Well, anyway, you would, you get to memorize these verses. And what's amazing is my word, 20 some years has gone by and I still know a majority of those verses. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I had a pastor that I served on his staff. His name's Neil Rich. And he came up to me, he said, Hey brother, do you want to memorize some scripture with me? And I'm like, I'm down. And so I started <laughs> memorizing his challenge to me was two verses a week. And yeah. so we started just sequentially going through the book of Ephesians. And then uh, I, I just, I never got all the way through. So I'm trying to pick it back up <laughs> as a discipline and just two verses a week, right. add on to it. And I didn't think that I was the sharpest cookie to be able to do that, but just two verses a week, like a few tips, I write it down in red pen. Mm-hmm. And my sister taught me, she's a teacher. And both of my sisters, they said, Hey, if you want to memorize something and you write it in red pen your brain is more likely to, to remember it. And just hearing it now with you version, like playing some of the book of Ephesians or different things. And I know I took it a different direction. Like I love the lists that yeah. you said, if, if, if it's more mm-hmm. topical or need-based, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I just think that we can't get away from God's word and um, memorizing it. Yeah. So for the listener, the two things that he encouraged, don't overload. So don't think that you need to remember or memorize entire book right away. Like don't bite off more than you can chew essentially. And then two, just be specific. Like Josiah and and Philip have already talked about, just lean into that area of life and God's going to speak to you. He's going to comfort your heart in that area that you're wanting to grow and you're needing to grow in, or you need to be comforted in. And then when those things, those anxious thoughts or whatever comes up, you are able to recite scripture and cover and bathe yourself in that scripture and everything through prayer. And I think that's something that we're trying to teach young adults is the importance of, of doing both. We need to pray and we need to seek God's counsel and we need to read the word of God. And it does need to be ingrained in our heart. And we already have his DNA after you say yes to him. So it's like, Hey, like, let's continue to spur this on. And, um, Philip, I'd be curious to hear your insight or your process since you have two, um, young adult men, um, as your sons, I would just be curious, how has your awareness changed as they have grown into adulting when it comes to the, the vitality of young adult ministries, and in the importance of young adult ministries, whether that's through Bible study on a college campus in the local church, or just really increasing that faith. Like how have, has, has your thought process evolved as time's gone, has time has gone on and why has that been important to you? I would assume. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, definitely important. And I think that so much of it is because I think that uh, our spiritual growth and even the spiritual disciplines that we often think about as individualistic, that they are much more powerful when they are when they're practicing community. Mm-hmm. And that certainly has was part of my own. I didn't recognize that until my boys were getting to kind of that later high school age and into that college age as to how much even as a pastor, I mean, I always understood community is so critical. We are the people of God. We are the church. But then seeing my boys 
launch from high school where they're always kind of under our wings and we can encourage, you know, individually read your Bible. Are you praying about what are you thinking about what God's doing in your life, watching them in their Bible study groups uh, of the churches that we were a part of to suddenly they're going to be hundreds of miles away from mom and dad. Like we can't put our hands on them. And it's like, you want them to be in community with people who are hyper-focused on that season of life, because this is suddenly you've gone from, I can make a mistake, but I'm going home to, I'm going to make a mistake and I'm going to go to a dorm room where I'm going to be by myself. And maybe I got assigned a roommate from the college who doesn't share a worldview that is Christ honoring. And so ensuring that they were plugged into churches that had a focus on how are we going to help young men and women through this tumultuous cultural time while they are making life altering decisions about what are they going to do with the rest of their life. But like, it could be a life altering decision that's going to happen this weekend. Like in the next few days, and they may make a mistake that's going to alter their future, or they may make a God honoring decision that is going to keep them on track with what the spirit wants to do next in their life. And so it became incredibly important for us to know that they were involved in congregations that didn't just have one big generalized all young adults come and that meant everybody who was 18 up to 45 years old because anybody who was under 50 was the youth group, but like actually saw the value of how do older adults get involved in the lives of, of young adults. Yeah. It, it's critical. It really is. And isn't it interesting too, though, that here we have more access to like information and we mm-hmm. have no shortage of access to the Bible. And yet things like anxiety are really off the charts. And many mm-hmm. times like prayer, and I'm just speaking from my own mental health journey and experience, like prayer and worship music mm-hmm. and godly community and reading his word have just brought so much peace and comfort in times of trouble for me. And I just think that it's I mean, what would you say to that? I'm just trying to reconcile it. Like we have so much access and yet so little engagement with wisdom. Yeah, I I think that, um, you know, we have my generation, we became information junkies because we were the first, we're, we're some, my generation is somewhat of an immigrant to the technological generation, to the internet, whereas my sons and like everybody that you guys are talking about, y'all are natives, to the technological generation of you have just always lived with the internet. And so this information overload creates anxiety because there's so much that you cannot control. And you are so aware now of a world that has just gone mad. And without a spiritual anchor into Christ and with the life of a local congregation, I mean, people are just, they're hopeless. And I had a I had a seminary uh, professor who would very regularly say the gospel is what makes life make sense. And I found that to be so true of just keeping my life anchored in the gospel, because there's nothing that I can be aware of what's happening 
in the crazy wars that are happening around the country, around the world and the famines and the plagues, but I can't control those things. But the gospel can make life make sense for those that are under oppression, for those that are suffering, and for those that are thriving. It keeps us all anchored at the foot of the cross. And so that's one more reason why we need to infuse a biblical worldview into young adults is because they are just drowning in information from the world that will actually have no effect on their eternal destiny. That's so good. It's just in my mind, I just think of like clear out the clutter. What is, what is, what needs to be cleared out? What needs to be sifted through? What needs to be thrown to the wayside? And Oh man, that's a lot of things to think about in my mind, but it's it's really mission critical. (laughs) And that's why we wanted to have this conversation today is we just know that God's word is true. Mm -hmm. We know that we find Jesus in scripture, the word that became flesh. And we, we believe it's vital. Yeah. Yeah. So good. But on a lighter note, maybe, maybe it depends on your answer. Philip, I'd be curious just to get some insight of what are you dreaming or hoping for when it comes to the next generation at large? Yeah. So what I'm hoping for is a, is, is a mobilized generation. I mean, we are a a more mobilized people than ever before. Um, My wife and I were just talking today about where do we want to go next year? Because we can go anywhere. I mean, we can just hop on a plane and go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so I'm dreaming for a more mobilized generation that, so here's part, that was part A. Part B, when it comes to Christians, a mobilized generation that is interested in mutual discipleship with uh, the majority world. Uh, Right now in Africa and Southeast Asia and South America, the church is exploding in growth. And, and, And those places are sending missionaries to the United States of America because we're the third largest mission field uh, behind India and China. Wow. Wow. (laughs) And so what I want to see is a mobilized generation of young adults who are not traipsing over to another country because they're taking mosquito nets and food and that they're going to be the preacher of the day, but they're going to do those good works to honor the Lord with also the idea of how am I going to go and learn from these believers that are living with such vibrancy and that their church planting movements are exploding and that they are, that they subsist on so little, but are so thankful. And I think if we could have a mobilized generation of mutual that are looking for mutual discipleship with the majority world cultures, uh, that once again, we could see Christianity explode once again in our own culture. That's an awesome answer. That's so good. <laughs> it fires me up, man. Yeah. And I know that you're a voracious reader that if, if you're watching on YouTube, you've probably noticed a ton of books that Philip actually reads and you're a Bible publisher <laughs> for crying out loud. And, um, we've asked you about maybe your recommended translations and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Any summer reads that you've just been digging or any um, for young adults books that you would be like, man, these would be a few that I would highly recommend. Yeah. I, uh, that's a hard, <laughs> that's a hard question to answer. Cause uh, whenever somebody says, what's your favorite book? I was like, well, how much time do you have to, for me to tell you about all my favorite books? So, um, but I'll, I'll narrow it down to just a couple. Um, because I read both, um, I read novels, I read biographies, I read Christian books, and then I read all sorts of, of uh, non-religious, just non-fiction. 
And so here are a couple of answers I'd give you. Uh, there's a great book out called All the Marvels, which is actually a story of the entire Marvel comic book storyline from beginning to modern day, which is actually really important to us culturally right now, because all of all, the whole Marvel storyline was all about tolerance. I mean, what we're seeing today in culture is is the exact trajectory. Uh, and and so reading that kind of story will help inform you. This is how the culture that you live in actually works and thinks. Uh, one of the novels that I've recently reread is The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells. It's just about 90 pages long, but it is this brilliant novel about, about what our hearts are really like. If you were invisible, what would you do? If you could get away with anything, how would you act? Mm. And, um, and, and it's, so it's just a, it's a brilliant piece of literature. And, but then on the religious side, I've recently uh, read this book which is just a series of prayers. It's called Pulpit Prayers. And there is this great British pastor named Alexander McLaren, who's one of my favorite expositors from history. And he had a man in his church that every Sunday he would just transcribe Alexander McLaren's prayer right before he preached. And it is so challenging just to read these prayers and just say, Father, I don't want to just repeat McLaren's prayer, but I want to know you so well that my prayer would be as passionate as these prayers I'm reading. It's a little bit of an unusual thing to read, but it's just so challenging to say, God, I want to just keep deepening my prayer life. So that's three books that I would uh, throw out for you. That's awesome. I took notes on all of those, Let's all go. very different genres, <laughs> but very intriguing on all levels. Yeah. Oh man. And Philip, are you ready for the challenge? The five and five? Let's do it. We have five questions in five minutes. If we can do it, if it's a literal five minutes, we'll see if we can tackle it. How about right. that? I'll try. I'll try. All right. Here's question number one. What's something you're looking forward to? Or no, let's do this one. What's something you're into right now as a fun hobby outside of ministry, maybe? Yeah, I, I'm trying to pick up leather work. I need something to do with my hands and that simple doesn't require a whole lot of tools. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to do that. Wow. Hobby Lobby has a, a starting selection for you. <laughs> there you go. So great. Um, young adult pastor, executive pastor at an amazing church in Kansas City. Glover? Yep. Glover Leather, Chad Glover. He's our friend. Um, and I'll connect you to him because he he does he's a pastor who does he's some awesome. really fun. That's work. cool. That's cool. Um, and then how about favorite sports team? Uh, Roll Tide, the University of Alabama, uh, my home state. Oh man! Oh wow! Okay. And Silky's gonna become your friend. Just watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's the curveball. Speaking of sports analogies, right here. If you could ask Josiah and myself one question, Philip, what would you ask us today? Anything related? Ministry? Not ministry? Whatever. Yeah. Um, well, I, I would say, uh, Micah, what is it that Josiah has over you that has kept you together with him for so long? Because uh, <laughs> you're so awesome and I'm not so sure about him. <laughs> I'll tell you this. It was a vision from God back in April of 2014. Before I knew him, I said, God, if my husband is not where I am living now, take me to him. And that night I saw his face on the Stone Arch Bridge, which is downtown Minneapolis that I've never seen before. 
And I was so mad that night because I woke up the next morning and I didn't know whose face it was. And God lovingly corrected me and I had to repent because he said, do you want what I have for you? And what have you been praying for? Because I was praying and fasting for my future spouse for three years total, 40 days on, 40 days off. It was a book I was reading called The 40-Day Soul Fast by Dr. Cindy Trim. And so I began praying for him. So I loved I loved Josiah, not knowing who he was or what he looked like. But in my prayer life, God was binding my heart to my future spouse in a supernatural way. So I would That's say so awesome. prayer. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I love, love it. who he is. He's fun and outgoing and filled with joy. So there's never a dull moment in our home on any and all fronts. So it's great. <laughs> That's awesome. Good question. Do you have one for Josiah? Uh, Josiah, if, if you could, um, I'll pitch one back to you. If you had one, if you can make one statement about your hope for the young adult generation of believers today, what is your, what's your one statement? Oh my gosh. For me, my hope for young adults in our world today is that they would surrender their lives to Christ, that they'd radically live for him, that they'd discover how amazing Jesus is, that they'd truly get to know him and that they'd live their lives for him because it's not boring following Mm -hmm. Jesus. I believe with all every fiber of my being that it's the greatest adventure. It's the, it's the most fulfilling adrenaline rush that there's never a dull or boring moment. And I, like I said, I love to have fun. And so I would just pray that um, young adults would discover that God loves them, that he has a plan and a purpose for them, and that it's not a straight jacket, that mm-hmm. it's not hypocritical, that it's not the judgment seat, that it's right. actually a relationship. And uh, it's the most amazing thing. That's awesome. I love it. Good. Well, back to you. That's a fire-loaded question. <laughs> on my toes. This is good for me. You're good for me. Okay. Um, I would ask you this question. Yeah. 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 You already asked. Okay. So you're doing some, some summer travel (laughs) and, or, or maybe next year, wherever you want to take it, but what's one place that you would actually want to go and what's the snack that you'll take with you? (laughs) Oh, wow. All right. (laughs) So, so the one place uh, and snack. Oh my goodness. All right. The one place I really want to go is Chiang Mai, Thailand. It's way up in Northern Thailand. It's this beautiful place where, uh, both great ministry needs to be done and you can have a great vacation. So I'd like to take Angie. Uh, what is the one snack that I take with me? Hmm. Probably Cheetos. I love Cheetos. There you go. The fiery ones flaming or just regular? Just regular, straight up OG Cheetos. All right, here we go. Okay, question number five. If you could leave the listener with one um, word of encouragement or word of advice when it comes to leadership and ministry, what would you leave them with today? Uh, I would leave them uh, with that leadership uh, starts. uh, Here's how I'd say it. the state of your character is more important than the stats of your leadership. That's good. So uh, if you can, if you can get your character in line with Christ, get your character right before the Lord, then the, all the stats of ministry and of leadership, all the metrics will take care of themselves. But the state of your heart is more important than the stats of your life. So good. 
That's a mic drop right there. That's all we needed. <laughs> what a note to end and, and to leave us with, because I think that so often we get it mixed up and that we get excited about the win or excited about the latest mm-hmm. stat that it is like, hold on, what's, what's actually important. It's the things that are most important are the things that last forever. Mm-hmm. That is our relationship with Christ and his glory. And so Philip, we love you a ton. Thanks so much for spending time with us. Thanks guys. Y'all are, y'all are easy to love as well. And it's so good to spend this time with you and hope that I've been an encouragement to the young adults out there and, and those that are leading young adults as well. Absolutely. Love it. And like we said earlier, if you want to find out more about Philip Nation, about mm-hmm. Thomas Nelson Bibles, um, we'll put some helpful links in the show notes. But until next time, this is Josiah and Micah saying see you later. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone you know. I'm all wired up right now. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.